Hello, CNTs. Welcome back to WRCT 88.3 FM. Thanks for joining us for our second season finale and our last show of 2016. Cheers to 2017 being less of a steaming comet of moldy, poisonous, bright orange politics. But don't worry, we'll be back next semester, effervescent as ever. To hold you over to the new year, you can check us out on our latest episodes on www.soundcloud.com backslash CNT CNT. I'm your host, Arielle, and this is CNT, politically aware, but not always correct. So much has happened in these last two weeks, I don't know how to pack it all into 20 minutes, so I won't. Let's start with some current events. A monkey attack in Libya sparked tribal clashes that killed 16 people. Yeah, three young men turned their pet monkey loose on a group of schoolgirls, and when the monkey pulled off one of the girls' headscarves, three people were killed in retaliation, plus the monkey. By the second and third day, people were using tanks and mortars. I'm telling this story not because it's funny. Three dumb dudes and a monkey should be the end of jokes, not lives. But think about this. A wild animal disrespects a bunch of women in Libya. Wild animal and accomplices die. But when wild animal and accomplices disrespect women here in the U.S., we make the wild animal president? Speaking of which, the last two weeks, Trump has just been... uh, Trump. I think the British Parliament on Monday said it best. And it's pretty good at roasting beef. Do you not think it's better that we just roast Trump? On that point about 1.6 billion Muslims, thank God there are 1.6 billion Trumps. Yes, sir. His policy to close borders is bonkers. Donald Trump is free to be a fool, but he's not free to be a dangerous fool in Britain. He is a wazak. His words are not comical. His words are poisonous. Donald Trump is a buffoon. No, a buffoon. Buffoonery. Daft and offensive. Nasty, abusive, racist tweets. Not a criminal, a buffoon. Bring him here. Let us have the opportunity to challenge him and let him go home with his tail between his legs. And ultimately, buffoonery should not be met with the blunt instrument of a ban, but with the classic British response of ridicule. Thank you, HuffPost, for that beautiful compilation. So, what else has happened this week? Let's see. uh, Fidel Castro died. Dylan Roof has decided to represent himself in court. Oh, and 5,000 sea creatures were frozen in a Japanese theme park's ice rink, enraging social media users. Here's a fun bit of news. Ice skaters in Russia just did a number that was Holocaust-themed. Yeah, stripes and stars, the whole thing. Happy little music, like the Jews haven't suffered enough. Now we gotta watch reenactments of genocide on ice. Because Disney wasn't enough, you know? Now we gotta do Indonesia on ice. Internment camps on ice? In other nicer news, the whole of New Zealand is doing a secret Santa. Yeah, 2,000 people have already signed up to stalk each other until they figure out the gift, just in case the Kiwi Postal Service has stated New Zealand Post accepts no responsibility for inappropriateness of gifts. I, I need to move to New Zealand. They've had traffic cones moving around for no reason, and it turned out to just be a little bird. The orange guides were being moved around by native Kia birds when no one was looking, and it caused this huge catastrophe for New Zealand traffic agency who speculated that the notoriously social bird was playing on the road to get the attention of humans in the hopes of being fed. These are New Zealand problems. Want to get your government-mandated stalker for Christmas and 
rare birds moving traffic cones around. I don't know how it could get worse. Now let's move on to some Christmas jams since we're coming up on Christmas. Now, if you're an alt writer, <coughs> neo-Nazi, <coughs> white supremacist, then you are probably really looking forward to that all-white holiday, Christmas. Well, guess what? Your favorite Christmas songs were all written by Jews. And as a spokeswoman of the Jewish mafia, I would like to warn you to steer clear of several cl Christmas classics. Nearly half, actually. And pretty much all the good ones. You wouldn't want your Christmas to be ruined by us horrible Hanukkah humpers, right? But there's no reason you can't enjoy some Christmas carols. That's why Mother Muse Erica Jackson is here, to bring us some cheer for the coming holiday. Erica, take it away. Walking in a winter wonderland. You can't sing that one. Let it snow, let it snow. No, let you can't have that one. Uh, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Nope, written by a Jew. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the written year. Written by a Jew. Silver bells. Nope, can't have that one. Uh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Nope, not that one either. I'll be home for Christmas. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, not that one. Baby, it's cold outside. Nope, not that one either. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Yeah, no, we, we wrote that one, too. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. No, nope, we wrote that one, too. What? Rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah, no, that was us. Do you hear what I hear? Written by Jews. You can't have that one, either. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Nope, try again. Santa baby. That song was written by a Jew, too. Boo-hoo. And even though the Jews didn't write Feliz Navidad, I'm thinking the Trumpers might have a problem with that one, too. Just a hunch. And now, we'd like to move on to our main story. We just celebrated Thanksgiving, and I hope that means you're all 15 pounds heavier. Everyone deserves some stress eating this time of year. Unless, of course, you were sitting out in protest of Thanksgiving, which is about as useless as Colin Kaepernick taking a knee in protest and then not voting. I was fortunate enough to spend my Thanksgiving weekend with my brother and his tribe at Sweet Magnolia Farms, an urban farm in Metro D.C. One of the guests was Frank Sanchez, who is a member of the Yankton Sioux tribe of South Dakota. He and his medicine man, Mark, were in D.C. to take the U.S. to court to answer for the atrocities done to his people and the treaties that have been violated. I managed to catch Frank after the sweat lodge ceremony he led, which I have to admit I only made 10 minutes through. He, however, has done an estimated 100 sweats a year over the sum of 36 years. Luckily, he granted CNT an interview. Claire? So, first thing I'm going to ask you is your name. My name is Frank Sanchez. My Nakota name is Wombadi Maza, meaning Iron Eagle. Mm. My Teoshpai is the Ogura. Which means the white shirt Oh, the Ihantua Nakota people. So, that's me. How did you get that name? I received my Indian name after the fifth year of Santant. And you live? Primarily on the Yankton Sioux Reservation in mm -hmm. South Dakota. And what are you doing in Washington, D.C.? I came to Washington to file a suit in the U.S. Supreme Court 
on treaty violations, treaty rights. What treaty is in violation? All of them. All of them. Historically, the Yankton Sioux tribe were the protectors of the sacred pipestone quarry. That's pipestone that was used for the making of ceremonial smoking pipes. Frank brought with him a letter addressed to the U.S. president, one of many, he said. It was written in 1885 by Struck by the Ree, a well-known chief of the Yankton tribe who was rumored to have been wrapped in an American flag by explorers Lewis and Clark, who lifted him up and proclaimed he'd be a great American. In manhood, struck by the re travel to Washington, D.C. often and was renowned and medaled for his efforts in promoting peace between whites and Native Americans. The letter in particular I'm speaking of reads as follows. Dear Sir, when I made the treaty with the United States nearly 30 years ago, I reserved the pipestone quarry for all generations. I told this president that I, I could not sell that because it was sacred to great pipes for all Indian nations. I did not know that the way white people surveyed land, but the president said I should have had one large measure of land with the quarry. I suppose it was a big piece, but when your people measured it, it was just a small piece. But I did not make any fuss about that. But now a big town, they call it Pipe Stone City, has grown up by the side of the quarry. I don't object to that either. But then a big cross bear has now come along and settled down right on the quarry. He says he has taken it as a claim, and it is his, and he will fight if anybody tries to move him. He has made a field and taken the rock and built him a big house and says to the Indians, keep off. Now I want to know if our great president has broken his treaty with me and has sold the land which he signed himself to let me keep. Let me hear from you. Struck by the re, head chief Yankton Indians. Frank's grandfather also signed the treaty that Struck by the Re is speaking of. What is the commonality between that letter uh, being sent then and what's happening right now? The letter that you read was a letter from the head chief of the Yankton people in 1858. He was the head chief. He remained head chief until he died. I believe he was requesting an answer for why they surveyed that country without our permission, without uh, our involvement. The Yankton Sioux people have two reservations, the one they live on now and the Pipestone Reservation. The Pipestone Reservation originally was 144,000 acres. After the survey that he was talking about, they downsized that reservation to just include the quarries, which is 600 and maybe 80 acres. In 1920, we went to the U.S. Supreme Court over that issue. These happenings where we end up going to court, where we end up uh, struggling, uh, a lot of these uh, actions that the uh, Congress takes and the government takes are in violation of the treaties. So that's why we end up in court. If the treaties are there, and they've been there for since, what, the very beginning, 
why is this still such a problem? Why do you keep coming up against the same issue over and over? Why are the treaties not respected? They don't want to clearly adhere to them. If they did, then about 95% of the land base in the United States would belong to the tribes. And for their economic reasons, they can't allow that to happen. Hmm. So therefore, they keep violating them and we keep going to court. Basically, that's what's, what go, what's going on today with the mm-hmm. pipelines mm-hmm. Try to coming through our treaty territories. And we're going to say no <clears throat> because it's an environmental issue. It's not about economics. It's an environmental issue and it's a health issue for our people to have clean water, mm. drinking water. Because where this situation is, is upriver from our actual reservation where we live today. It's about maybe 100 miles upriver. It's all going to come downstream mm-hmm. when it happens. Who's, who's protecting our water rights? Who's protecting, you know, our, our health? Mm-hmm. Uh, if the government made these treaties and promised to do those things, then they're sure are letting a lot of corporations to come in and mine or extract minerals. Uh, even fracking is being proposed for the Great Plains states. Right. Uh, all the way out to the Black Hills, which is also in treaty territory. that's never been settled. 161 years of struggle. Wow. And we, the native people or the indigenous people of that area, the Great Plains, were about extinct. And so now, at this time in creation, we have to say something or else we will become extinct. And that's why we're going to take the United States to court and we are going to charge them with genocide. Mm-hmm. Outright genocide. In doing this, we're hoping that the international community gets involved. We're, we are looking to perhaps get a injunction against the United States mm-hmm. for violating international treaty law. What would a best case scenario look like? A best state scenario would look like uh, the state of Israel. If we can establish a state for Israel, uh, the Jewish people, then we can establish a state for the Native American people. Mm. That would be the best case scenario, is to establish our own state and be allowed to participate in the international arena. Today, the way things are, we cannot participate in international trade and international commerce, free trade. We can't make any treaties with any foreign state today, presently. Right. Really basically down to uh, American apartheid and we want our freedom. We want to be free just like the slaves got freed. And we want to be freed in our own land. Slaves were freed in a foreign land. But 
we want to be freed in our own land. She says, it's a difference. It's a big difference because then we can reaccess all our sacred sites and we can heal ourselves and we can prosper again. Uh, basically, we want our human rights. Do you see that happening? What I see happening is a move towards a global police state. It's a means of, ma of, of controlling the masses. It's a means of control over the mass population. We've been under control from the, from the very beginning. So it's nothing new to us. Mm -hmm. But uh, we rather be sovereign and mm. uh, taking care of ourselves. So the way I see it is that we have a human right to be free. Uh, we have a human right to have clean water. Those basic, basic rights are basically supported by the UN Declaration and the rights of indigenous peoples, of the Geneva Convention. They all have mechanisms in there to protect human rights. Mm -hmm. And this country, the United States, has deliberately interfered in foreign countries uh, with CIA coups. Basically, the United States is a world power that has uh, abused abuse that power, it's time for the rest of the world to put a rein on allowing these uh, world powers to uh, run amok. It's up to us to stand up all together. Mm -hmm. We're done with it. I mean, this is going out to a bunch of liberal college students who really want to do good, have mobility, but just don't know how to use it. So what would you say to the, those people who want to be involved and help your cause and not trample over it? Those young students are in a state of being and their physical being is a time for adventure. It's a time for uh, proving oneself. It's a time for testing one's limits. Um, so these young people, they also have the capability and the access to the tech world. Using their skills, using their connections, world, worldwide connections, they could do more good for our cause by just passing or educating themselves to the issues and educating themselves to the Constitution, to international law, to treaty law, and tell everybody the truth about the law. And the letter of the law is the best thing they can do, is educate each other, educate all the students in the whole country. Every university can 
connect together, have a mass discussion, come up with some idea or consensus of this is the way it reads. And when we all have a common, un common understanding of it, then we can dissolve the situation or find a resolution mm -hmm. to it. My last question for you is what your favorite movie is. <laughs> Because I really love your answer. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite movie is Avatar. Yes. <laughs> why? <laughs> why Avatar? I mean, why not Avatar? But why Avatar? <laughs> well, Avatar, when I seen those floating pieces of land, I thought, well, that was magical. How does that float? What is that? What's keeping that afloat? This is a magical thing. And then when I seen the, all the creatures, it was like even more magical. And they all could communicate with each other. And that was, to me, uh, the icing on the cake. <laughs> because we know we can still communicate with the animals. We can talk with them. They talk to us. We can communicate with the thunders. They talk to us. Talk back. So that's why I like the movie so much is because they have a real strong bond to nature. Mm. And it's nature that is going to sustain us mm. and give us life. On that note, thank you so much mm. for coming on the show, Frank. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Mark Sanchez, for that incredible interview. Well, CNTs, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Mama Z will be telling us a bedtime story. So go ahead and get cozy with your nighty and your J. It's story time. Mama Z. My name's Paula. What's yours? Oh, that's a nice name. Well, we have a fun story tonight, and it comes from down under, you know, Australia. And it's about mistaken identity. Mistaken identity is a hell of a thing particularly when it comes to gelatinous blobs. One Australian man has clearly been reading way too many crime novels because last Friday he mistook a washed-up jellyfish for something sinister. A rogue breast implant. The concerned citizen even took his discovery to the local police station on the Sunshine Coast. And the embarrassment started when police at Marukadaur station politely informed the man that the damning evidence he had turned over was in fact the corpse of a jellyfish although not until they had bagged and tagged the evidence first the sunshine coast daily reported the man told police he was concerned that the preserved presumed prosthetic implant could have come from someone who was murdered or drowned but nope it was not but a sea blobber so watch out there in Australia as the water warms up. It becomes a haven for gelatinous blobs. Y'all have a good night now. And Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. Bye-bye. Okay, CNTs, that is it for today. Now, today marks the end of our second season, and I really want to thank you for sticking with us through the most politically charged year in living memory. We'll be back next semester, and even better, I'll be joined by my fire co-host, Daryl. That is, if she doesn't decide to just stay in Wales. And these days, I'd strongly consider it. Their sheep population is four times larger than their human one. 
And if we've learned anything this year, it's that a lot of humans really suck. If you're missing us, you can check us out on our SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com backslash CNT CNT. From WRCT 88.3 FM, I'm Ariel, and this was CNT. Politically aware, but not always correct. Reminding you to wake up and stay woke. Later. <laughs>